how are you? Good, how are you? Doing great, thank you. You got some soft buzz coming from somewhere in your studio. Did that help? Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah, that's actually, uh, that's just a 60 cycle hum coming from that keyboard right there on my left. Ah, nice. I see you got quite a few keyboards in your studio. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of a collector, I guess. Um, so <laughs> part of it's kind of a it's a fun, but maybe not always the best uh, problem to have. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's some composers that literally have warehouses full of random instruments, so mm -hmm. it's not uncommon. Do you have a favorite that you like to use? Mm, that's a good question. I'd say actually this one I've had. Um, not the longest, but I've had it quite a while, and uh, I probably have the most memories with that because uh, I used to play live a lot more, um, and I played live with that quite a bit. So I don't know, maybe that's my favorite, the old Wurlitzer. Mm. Do you hope to get back into playing live anytime? Um, you know, it's funny. I would like to. I would like to. I kind of went on a very intentional hiatus from that uh, well before the pandemic, but uh, um, I. I, I love doing it, but I think the thing I got so focused on composing that I felt like I kind of had to choose that as my main focus. And when so that's kind of where I ended up. Yeah. Well, as the world opens up, maybe you'll find some more opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So as um, I understand your, your new series is going to come out tomorrow. How do you feel about it? Oh, so really good. You know, it's funny. I, I don't, there's some typo that happened. It's not a series. It's actually a movie. Oh, I must have gotten the email wrong. I thought it was a series. That's even more exciting. Yeah, it's no, it, uh, somehow on the promo art, they have listed new series and a couple of things okay. have mentioned, but it's just a movie. I mean, maybe there will be another movie, but for now, there's just one. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a fun journey to be on and um, got to write a ton of music and explore some fun directions with it. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a wild thing. We did it all during COVID um, pretty much. So I don't know, it worked out. It's kind of wild. Well, one thing I was really surprised about when your publicist sent me those behind the scenes videos was you guys actually um, got to have the orchestra in person for like a few recordings and at least from the fancy camera tricks it looked like you had a pretty big number of people there is that yeah. what you guys thought was going to happen for the score or were you anticipating having to have your musicians in separate locations well um yeah it's a great question uh, one thing that was from the outset, the goal was to record live orchestra. And so, um, you know, sometimes people record it in smaller groups. Um, originally, I, I had planned to be at the, re the recording session. Those were actually in Budapest. So, um, you know, there was no way for me to travel there during this time. Um, but uh, they were just seeming to be able in a situation where they were comfortable recording with the whole group and you know we're kind of monitoring it all along um we did it at the very beginning of november so um it worked out and that that was lucky i know a lot of productions that happened in california 
Um, there have been some sessions. They were took a while to come back. They're back a lot more now. But I think people were, you know, sometimes it was a thing where everybody was recording by themselves in their own space and somebody was magically getting it all to come together. But this was a little, uh, all the band, well, all of the orchestra all live together anyways. Other things were recorded separately or done um, by me or different, different depending on the, the cue, different ways that we solved it. But, um, you know, that was, that was a, something that luckily from the outset, that was the goal. And I, you know, we were all, I was monitoring all along and saying, are we going to have to change the plans? But we, you know, kept talking with the folks in uh, Budapest and they were, it was fine. So it worked out. How did you feel about not being able to be there like before and after the fact? Do you feel like you'd be more comfortable just monitoring it in the future? You know, it worked so well. It was kind of amazing to me. I, I was a little nervous going in um, how well that would work, but it was great. Um, I, I don't think it's as magical as being there, but, um, you know, there's either being in the room or just being in the studio, you can kind of feel the energy of the whole session. Um, so I certainly will always look to do that when possible, but, you know, some projects, maybe it's not practical to fly halfway around the world to do it or, or, you know, in this case, both that, but plus COVID, um, it worked out that, um, it was great to have a really, um, I'm trying to think they, I'm trying to remember what service they use, probably Source Connect, I believe, um, and they gave us like a high quality signal from the orchestra so we could hear them really well. It was a mix coming from their mix room and we could talk to the engineer and the conductor. Um, um, and everyone, they were so, they were super quick there and we could quickly have a back and forth about anything we wanted to figure out. So it was great. Awesome. That is so great to hear. I honestly think that it's a lot easier to have a cohesive collaborative project when you at least even if it's remotely get to work with the other person. I had a friend who's a cellist and she was like, well, we can't all perform together. So I guess I'm just recording these 30 cello cues by myself. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. That have you been doing some like uh, recording lately or in that way? Or do you record too as well? You're a composer as well, right? Yeah. So um, last semester I recorded a few things for some of my composer colleagues. I haven't composed anything for clarinet myself this academic year. Um, and then all of our ensembles, if we had anything recorded, we had to just do that um, at our house. So I invested in a sound shield and a good mic and that's what I've been doing. It's been interesting. Some people I have learned are not as accustomed to playing with the click track as composers get to be earlier, I feel. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I think that's that's actually um, uh, though and can be an issue with some great orchestras. Even though the mm -hmm. in Budapest were uh, were great on that front, they played very well to click. But um, I think it can, even for a great orchestra, sometimes if you know, especially if they're playing a lot of classic repertoire, maybe they it stretches more and it's more about playing together than playing to the click. So, you know, I think sometimes it's a different process, you know, I think to get everybody 
Um, we, we didn't do anything off click, but I would like to do that some point in the future with the orchestra too, because that can be the flip side of it is that, um, you know, if it's not the kind of cue that needs to catch moments too tightly, um, you know, it can be pretty neat. Uh, I haven't ever done it for a project, but I've, um, you know, I've done some workshops a long time ago where we did work on cues off click and it was a lot of fun to just see the difference sometimes how expressive it could, how much it could be more expressive away from the click if it made sense to do it that way. Yeah. Well, one thing I was so immersed in when I was watching your behind the scenes videos was I felt, oh my gosh, I don't even feel like I need to watch the movie in order to like be immersed in the moment. It felt like a tone poem where you just have the orchestra telling the story. Was that your intention? Because that's kind of what it felt like to me. Thank you. That's really, that's a really cool thing to hear. Um, uh, I can't say that it was my intention other than, you know, I guess with film music so often, um, that's kind of part of the job. Not, I, I think you could think of places where it's not exactly that, but um, examples, but you know, if you think of Star Wars is an easy example or anything pretty much John Williams uh, canon, um, that uh, you, you kind of have a sense of the feeling of what's going on from the music because you're trying to you're trying in some way capture the the grandeur of what's happening or the romance or the um, you know in, in my case I was trying to combine some other things but uh, like a, as, as we has been mentioned a few times it's it's a, it's got a lot of spy elements to the movie and also some uh, fairy tale quality so playing with those so that i guess i was just thinking about telling the story really and so if that comes across away from picture that's even better you know i guess that would be my ideal that it works for the movie and then hopefully people can enjoy it on its own too mm -hmm. it definitely reminded me of the kind of music that um band directors, orchestral directors, or it's like, we want to integrate some more popular music into our, our concert, but we can't, you know, have it live to film. What's kind of the kind of thing that we would look at? And your score, from what I heard of it, was exactly that kind of thing. Oh, so cool. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully that would be fun. Um, um, I'm curious, um, maybe, maybe I would be curious what it evoked for you, just as maybe just again, if I can ask you that question. Yeah. So from the behind the scenes videos that I watched, I immediately felt this sort of combined aspect of suspense of like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I know there's some kind of anticipation here. And then um, a sort of magic to it, especially in your areas where you have your buildup and then the release that goes into a soaring melody or fanfare. And it was like, I know something magical just happened there. <laughs> In my mind, like I see the brighter colors. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. That's great. Well, I'm glad that that comes across from, from it. Um, you know, I, 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 you got me thinking about when you uh, mentioned tone poems and um, it's an interesting thing because in classical music, there's sometimes a big back and forth between music that is absolute music versus obviously evoking something dramatic. Um, if I'm getting my definitions clear. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, I, I think for me, 
a little bit of a tangent, you know, a piece that's been very important for me, um, which I think falls into the category of tone poem, would be uh, Prelude to the Afternoon of the Fawn by Debussy. Um, and, yes. you know, it's so good and a big, big influence on me just from the, the feelings it creates. And Debussy in general is my one of my favorite composers of all time. Um, I think just his kind of the, the way he, he the, the, the layers of emotions he creates and you know I I, I, I have heard um, a number of great lectures on that piece and listened to the piece many times and studied it some and anyways I just I love the I love what he does with that and I think that is such a obviously an iconic piece in the liter uh, the lineage of classical music um, but um, I, I don't know I just think of that is a, a great example for me of it um, without trying to go into any analysis of it now, but uh, just of, of evoking kind of what it's called and where it comes from. So. That is so cool. So some music, when it, you listen to it away from the film, you're, you can sometimes tell they were writing this to picture or, you know, have a good guess of if they were writing it to picture. But as I said before, your music holds up so well on its own. It's not one of those things where I think, oh, he was clearly writing to picture. So I've got to ask, with this kind of score, how do you like to go about your process of writing for it? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think these, these cues that you heard in particular were ones that were moments where I think the music was allowed to soar a little bit more in the movie, you know, a little, given a little, there's some really um, beautiful visuals that go along with uh, these scenes, um, and they're you know so they're and they're they're a very direct part of the storytelling as opposed to more of like a a, a, a little more of the, taking a little more of the lead at times, especially when the big melodies come in, you know. Um, so I think in that way it was nice to think about being giving them a little space to just be music a little bit in that context. Um, and I mean, it does get me to a larger question of it. And I think in this movie in particular, uh, working with uh, the filmmakers, um, uh, working with Alexi, the director, and Vladimir, the producer, that um, we, everybody wanted to have strong themes that would kind of could could develop and go through the movie. So early on, um, we had a back and forth where I actually just sent them piano versions of of the themes um and so you know that was kind of really nice because that's not as common necessarily a lot of times you think that every idea you have has to be polished um to within inch of, within an inch of its life before directors can be able to say that's good nah so this was nice because i could just focus on writing um melodies that i were felt right to me and then when i had you know we had a good number of them but uh after a while i could kind of see oh they were gravitating this way or that way and so we had a nice back and forth just developing these themes and you know for me it was nice to try to have something that could be um like a little sections of the melody could come in at times because you're not going to state the full phrase necessarily every time um but then also hopefully if there were an occasion in the movie or two um you could get the full phrase of the melody to play out so that was kind of a fun thing and and i think the cues that you those three cues are all places where there's a chance for the melodies to 
play pretty much their full length. Um, at least, yeah, I think so. Um, so I guess it was just kind of a, a lucky moment that that worked out to have a feature for that. Because not all movies would that even be the right choice. Or so, but it was good here. With all that information that you were creating, I noticed in the credits that there's also an orchestrator. How much back and forth is there between you and the orchestrator with how much information you give them and then possible edits? Because I feel like every composer has a different approach to how they work with an orchestrator. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, with Nicole, um, Nicole Brady's a good friend and uh, just a talent in her own right. Um, but she, um, she, we've known each other for a while and have done some other things together and so when this came about it was just a really easy choice just to to work together on this um and and then also tomas helped out as well as another friend of mine um but so that process is pretty they were really great and it could have gone different ways um you know i think with an orchestrator can go anything from like you could send them a a simple piano version and then they could take it all the way to orchestra um, we generally, it was more, in this case, I would give pretty detailed uh, nitty sketches basically to them, or, or well, my process would be, uh, I would compose the piece and, and do a lot of arranging just on my computer, because ultimately, um, there's a lot of production that is art that I do either recording myself or recording synths or sounds in my computer and send us to the filmmakers and they, and once we get to a spot where everyone's feeling good about it, then and before we record then it has to get ready for the orchestra um so in our in my case you know i would say it would be generally i would say fairly detailed um sketches um you know i usually would have in mind what i wanted the violin one and two and violas and cello and bass to play um and and, and oftentimes some voicings for the uh for the brass and for the woodwind but then also there'd be times where I'd say, ask and say, hey, would you have any ideas how to fill out this section or some colors? Or sometimes you just say, hey, um, we've got all this. What if we did change this up a little bit? So it could be a nice back and forth, you know, I think. And, you know, when you work with somebody that you know they have so much to bring to the table, I'm always a big fan of letting them bring, bring that and, you know, let them shine a little bit too, because I know that they're going to have good ideas too. So I would just say overall, also because of speed, sometimes I had to work that way more, but when we have a chance to, it's always nice to have a back and forth and, you know, they would take my MIDI and turn it into the sheet music. And then we send that all to uh, the Budapest and they record it. So pretty amazing. In this particular project, did you have a favorite moment of collaboration where you're like, yes, this is just going so well? You know, um, I mean, I think there's so much, even though I felt going into the recording session, I felt confident, there's still this feeling like, what if we just totally forgot about something and overlooked it, and it's just not going to happen and not going to work. But luckily, it all came together. And so I guess really, as much as I had a lot, always will have nerves going into a recording session, it, it was just really satisfying to do it and feel like, oh, hey, this worked we're good we're in good shape we got what we needed to get out of those sessions and then you know then it's on to the next thing of the mix but um but i that would be the highlight for sure on any project that you get to record orchestra that's kind of like uh what's like the big 
I, I mean, I guess getting the final mixes is also very big, but in terms of just like the musical process, that's just like the moment where you feel like you're the most in it. It's like all about the music for a little while. So that's fun. And then this is one of my favorite questions to always ask during interviews. What was your favorite cue to score? And what do you feel was the most difficult cue to score for this film? Um, is it okay if it's the same cue? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, well, so uh, the one that's called Secret Magic Control Agency, I think that, I'm not sure if the titles were on there on the ones you got, but it's the one, it's uh, that that melody mm -hmm. um that one it just took a lot of back and forth because the the timing of that scene was really specific and um you know this the film that was a scene that was pretty much locked from the beginning um so i had to really really follow their timing there but then i also had to make sure it had its own like sense of natural logic um um, I think it's like, it's kind of like you're given, you have to color within these uh, walls, but it also has to sound like you're not being hemmed in by those walls. Um, and I felt like, you know, we, we probably did the most versions of that cue of any, you know, with different melodies early on. And that melody came, was settled on at some point, but then there was just different versions of like ways to just get it a little peppier or change change moods just a little bit at the right time um and uh didn't you know kind of funny enough the the one that says here looking at you not kid uh here's looking at you not kid that one was um actually also one of the most satisfying but one of the easiest to do <laughs> it just okay it's kind of like i feel like that happens for me a lot sometimes there's cues you just have or you know even away from scoring like just writing music there's pieces of music that you just hammer and hammer and hammer on and it eventually gets to somewhere you're like very satisfied with. And then there's those magic ones where it's just like, it just kind of like, it just kind of happens pretty quickly and you know, you polish it up, but it just feels like it's almost, it almost arrives um, in its full form right away. I and mean, that's like a gift when that happens. But Yes. You know. That's always so satisfying during the sketching process. You're like, I'm not really sure where I'm going to go with this, but you know, I'm going to play around, see if I find something. You're like, wait, yes, that one, that was it. Yes, keep that. Yeah. Yeah. I always relish that because when it happens, you're like, okay, thank you. And then you think, next time, will that happen again? You know, no guarantees ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is something that especially in music school i've had lots of different professors everyone has a different approach to it especially when teaching it what do you think is the key to creating a good melody oh wow yes that's a fantastic question um i think and this is a philosophy that i mean i've studied a lot of different places so at one point i i studied with this uh i went to this program in Paris, which uh, you might look and check out if you're in any interest. It's called EMA, EAMA -E is the European American Musical Alliance, and uh, it's led by uh, this great um, teacher named Philip Lasser. And there's a bunch of great folks who go there. But it's it's sort of taught in the, the tradition of Nadia Boulanger. But he's got a, he has a lot of great thoughts about melody and that's kind of and counterpoint and that's i feel like that's his speciality and he's amazing but um 
So I, I just mentioned that to say, because he always talked about finding an elegant line. And, and one of the things that he would say in that, and I, I feel like I, I try to remember this, though sometimes you just get caught up in what you're doing, so you can't, but you always have, like a, a good melody will almost always have a single apex and possibly a single lopex. So just that it might have an elegant, simple line. And you might do a lot of fancy things around that, but just like in terms of what you remember, it's just that simple. So, um, you know, I think composers in the film, uh, I mean, gosh, WC would be easy enough to find a lot of great examples, Bach. Um, but in the film context, uh, you know, I, I feel like Alexander Desplat has that too. You know, his melodies can seem super, almost super straightforward at times, but they're always so elegant and it's just almost, you can sing it. Uh, they're very singable. And another, I don't have to refine this too much, but another thing that was mentioned there that I, I kind of believe a lot is a lot of melodies have a lot of um, half steps and whole steps, or it's just, it's scalar, you know, the main part of the melody. And maybe you have some good leaps. I mean, that's kind of thing we all think about, you know, how many, how do you balance leaps with scalar motion? But our ear connects to that scalar motion very naturally. So, yes. I don't know. There's some, that's like a real quick answer. Um, but we could dig any as far into it as you want as far as my two cents on it. <laughs> You're all good. Your last part, especially about scalar motion, just in my head reminded me, I have a contextual listening test tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> That's always fun. Man, tests. I think, uh, I guess I get my world, real world. Well, not to say school not real world, but there's the same anxiety as what I'm trying to say. Uh, even after school of the test, they sometimes you just don't know you're having a test. <laughs> I remember doing all of that kind of stuff very much. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. That I don't know. It sounds like you, I bet you do great with it. <laughs> Thank you. My daughter has um, a really good ear, but the she's 10 um, and she'll pick up melodies really quick that she hears, or she also writes some melodies a lot herself. Just she likes to write songs, and, but you know, she's super averse to me trying to explain to her what, <laughs> what the chords are doing underneath it. And she's like, I, I don't care that. I just want to sing it. Okay. <laughs> no, because it can go both ways. <laughs> That's how I feel with my younger cousin, except she's in high school and wants to go into musical theater. Oh, okay. Well, if she wants to go into musical theater and has a great year for that guy, I bet she's probably on her way. That's really great. Mm -hmm. Do you like composing with your daughter? Yeah, I do. It's super fun. Um, yeah, we have had some fun chances. She likes to write her own songs. And so, you know, she does play enough piano that she can play some chords and she'll do it that way. But lately she likes to, she comes up with melodies and lyrics and then comes to me and then I'll, I'll find some chords for her underneath it. And sometimes we do an arrangement. She did one for her school talent show that, um, oh, cool. she did a great job. So. Uh, um, you know, that's, it's nice. Of course, as a parent, I'm super biased and, and think she's awesome. <laughs> hey, I mean, if she can write lyrics, brava for me. Writing lyrics is tough. I know. She didn't get that from me. She must have gotten it from um, her mom, who's, <laughs> I'm not the lyric writer in the family. <laughs> well, that is all of the questions I have for you. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, not off the top of my head. Um, 
I mean, I, it's very enjoyable to talk with you about it all. And I'm really glad that you took the time to, to come up with such interesting questions, really. It, it, you know, it got me thinking about tone poems. And I got to admit, it's just like, oh, what? I had to think about it for a second. I remember, what is, okay, there we go. But it got it back in. It, it, it did, it's just part of my brain hadn't been thinking of it in that context in a long time. But um, I, it's just interesting. It's an interesting question to think in film music in particularly in particular i think that that almost you could almost in a lot of as i was saying before a lot of situations that's almost the job is that you could write a piece of music that away from picture might help tell, could in some way tell the story you know and or at least give the listener a sense of like what might be happening well absolutely it was so much fun getting to talk to you gabe have a great rest of your day it was great talking with you as well. Thanks so much. And uh, hopefully you enjoy the film if you get, when you get the chance to see it. And, all, and uh, hopefully we get to talk again sometime. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for Season 2, Episode 2 of Chatting with Creators. It was so much fun getting to talk with Gabe about his project, Secret Magic Control Agency. His awesome approach to a melody and just the fun of composing with his daughter and looking into a film score composer's classical training. It was such a great conversation and I'm really glad I get to share this with you. Please know that moving forward, the rest of season two is going to be uploaded weekly on Tuesdays. And next week I will be interviewing Andy Bean about his work on Kid Cosmic. In the meantime, please be sure to also tune in on April 18th to the Glencorf School of Music page for the world premiere of my piece, Stars Beyond Turmoil, a piece for set electronics and bass pans and hand pans. Hope to see you there. Have a great rest of your day.